I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. This is the High Horse Podcast. Where we are leaving egos on the ground. I saw the pause um, on your face at first when you're like, wait, what do I say again? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I almost forgot. Um, so why don't you introduce the topic for today? Uh, yeah. So we have been seeing a lot on TikTok recently. This, um, I mean, the, the, the best way to put it is classism, but it's a lot. There seem to be these ongoing trends with the younger generation and that like teenage range where people are talking about um what is the right equipment to have and how you should have what your money should go towards and it not being not necessarily towards your horse but towards you know i think the one that everyone will will come on you know will recognize uh right away is the young lady who said if you have the money to own a horse you should have the money to own nice riding clothes and so she um, said proper she oh did she proper. say proper oh yeah it said proper yeah which is implying that there is improper writing right yeah exactly so, so for me <clears throat> really not for me across the board the equestrian community is extreme and classist um and i think a lot of people fail to want to do better or to have a conversation about it or accept it because classism, regardless of the context you're speaking about it from, is rooted also in racism. So yes. if you acknowledge being classist, if you acknowledge that the community is classist, you are therefore also being forced to acknowledge the racist roots. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and it's ugly. People don't want to talk about it. Um, as to that girl, so I stitched her video. And even before I stitched her video, she was already getting a lot of negative attention. Um, I never addressed her in the video whatsoever. I addressed the mindset that was being perpetuated. And I'm very careful, um, especially when I'm stitching videos that come from uh, minors about the way in which I do it. Mm -hmm. She didn't like the backlash because that video, I mean, I think it had like 500,000 views before it I was took up it down. There. And I, yeah. I, I did eventually take it down. Um, but even before I posted that video, apparently she had been doxxed. So for those of you who don't know what doxing is, it's when somebody on the internet gets a stick up their ass and they find out all your personal information, you know, your actual legal name, your legal physical residential address, your employer, so on and so forth. Um, whoever doxed her, and also that's a federal crime, by the way. It's illegal both federally and at the state level. Um, and especially in, in, as it pertains to doxing a minor, that's like a double whammy. Um, whoever doxed her was contacting her barn to let her know, or let their barn owner know and the trainers know what her conduct was like online. And, and she didn't like that. Well, I'm going to say this here. I said it in my follow-up video. I said it at the time. If you are old enough to be on the internet, you are old enough to endure the consequences of being on the internet. When you, if you want to play adult games, you're going to win adult prizes. The internet, especially TikTok, is not a place for children. Mm -hmm. And that, I feel, is really on her parents for not monitoring her online presence like they should be mm -hmm. and not protecting her online. Because you know what? If, if you want to let your kid have a TikTok, whatever, that's, that's your fuck up. But you should be monitoring that TikTok. And you should be, you know, keeping track of the information they're putting out there, keeping them safe. And if you're not able to do that, then maybe they just shouldn't be on the internet. But I digress. Um, she got her little feelings hurt. And she also doubled down on her ignorance and argued with me in the comments about how it's not racist. Um, it's not classist. And she, like, the, the conversation I had with her in the comments, and I have screenshots still, um, did not indicate that she had learned anything whatsoever. And this, mind you, was after she was doxxed. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, but then again, and I, I'm going to roll back on the classes and thing. For people that prioritize how expensive their equipment is or how expensive their horse is, I don't expect those people to 
um, do the right thing and do some inward reflection in the face of something like this. Right. Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is also something I see constantly, you know, like in the equestrian hot takes trend that pops back up every couple of months there, mm-hmm. it never fails. It never fails that there's somebody uh, complaining about people's tack or complaining about how uh, people have cheap horses, et cetera, et cetera, or complaining about how inexpensive your trailer looks. Um, I just, and again, I've said this before in previous episodes, money is the fastest way to ruin horses. It's the fastest, mm-hmm. it's the fastest way to ruin anything. When Once you involve money or you prioritize money, um, everything else is going to go out the window because that's the nature of money. Um, so for anyone that doesn't understand, right? Like originally, and so we'll go back to the Dresco thing because her point was if you're, if you can afford a horse, then you can afford proper riding clothes. Now I've taken a look at some English riding attire and I'm sorry, I'm really congested. So it's, if I sound like foghorn, leghorn, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm on enough Benadryl <laughs> to treat one of my horses right now. So, you know, your average pair of breeches, yeah, you can get a pair of breeches for 50 bucks, right? They're not going to be great. Your average pair of breeches is like $150. Oh, yeah. To $300. The shirts are another $150 to $300. The little vests that you have to wear to show are like $600. The boots are another five or $600. That's First of all, a waste of money. Do, do people not realize that there are like better ways you could be using your money to leverage yourself as a horseman? All that money you could be spending on lessons. You could be spending on, um, you know, proper nutrition for your horse. Right. So I, I can't even I can't even really get into that. But originally, um, this dates back to the Roman Empire. Dress codes were instituted in horse showing to keep the poor class out. And the poor class was primarily, uh, primarily consisted of uh, people of color, period, period. So it was, it was like uh, a two for one, right? They could keep the poor people out of participating, mm-hmm. but they also kept everyone of color out of participating as well. And, you know, the UK just took that and ran with it. Um, and as fashion became more of a thing, uh, the prices of everything went up. But it just became a way of keeping people out of that industry. Um, and so there's, you know, it's, it's not like it's my opinion. That is, that is the fact, right? Yeah. Um, and no, so I don't think anyone that- could argue that uh, owning horses is, is a symbol of status. Sure. Yeah. You know, Um and also that girl, by the way, I thought she was like 15, but she's 17, which is far old enough to know better. See, and that's why at 17, I was enlisted in the, in the military at 17. Oh, I yeah, went to no, basic me training. Too. I, at 17, I was a Marine. I graduated boot camp at 17. So yeah, there's absolutely, um, at that age, you definitely, if your parents have not taught you the importance of, um, the biggest, okay. So the big thing that stood out to me, I didn't see her original video other than like the short clip, you know, that you I have it on my beginning phone. of here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen the original video before she took it down, but I did go back and she had, um, a video that she posted where she was trying to, she wasn't, the big thing was that she wasn't taking responsibility for what she said. Yeah. She was trying to find a way to mold it into something else that I, I remember she had a video. She had a video saying, um, it doesn't have to be the expensive ones. You can get the $50 or $75 ones. And I think that was the same video. And and the big thing that stood out to me was that she said, I do it to respect my trainer that I show up in proper attire for my lessons. And the big thing that stood out to me was, okay, so you are training under somebody. So therefore you are a representation of them. And if yeah, that is not something, yeah, and if that is not yeah. something that has um, been taught to you by the time you were 17 years old, I would assume at 17 that you've at least had one job in your life where you Probably are not. a representation. 
<laughs> well, her behavior like, is not reflective of someone that has ever had any level of responsibility. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had my first job as, as soon as I was old enough to have one, but, um, if, if you've not, I mean, even, you know, in high school, you go and you play sports and your coach tells you you're a representative of our school, make sure that you act like it. You know, at, at some point in her life, she has been told that you are a representative of something that is beyond you and you yeah. need to act accordingly. So for but you're, it's a, you're absolutely right though, because that is exactly what she was doing. Yes. She was representing the mindset that is perpetuated wherever she is. Yes. Bingo. That's why she didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. But I, I would hope that she's being influenced more by, um, the larger community than by that specific trainer. My hope would be that the trainer would be embarrassed to know that someone that she is training is acting that way on a public forum. And so that's why, like, it sucks that she got doxxed. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a hard lesson to learn. And at some point in our lives, we all get doxxed in some sort of way to learn that hard lesson. I know that I learned it a couple of times when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, so, I mean, again, yeah, it sucks. But uh, at the same time, it's something that she, she needed to experience in her life to fix her mindset. Yeah. And, you know when I took the video down, like I said, I was under the impression she was 15. Knowing now that she's 17, I would have left it up. Yeah. I would have left it up because that's, um, like I said, if you're old enough to be on the internet, you're old enough to learn some lessons. Um, so the way they doxxed her and, you know, it's not like they were sending bags of horse shit to her residential address because that's probably what I would have done. Um, they called her barn and they were telling her barn that she was, you know, spreading a classist racist agenda on the internet, mm. which is true. It's true. I, I firmly believe you can't get upset about the truth. Yeah. Like if, if somebody's slandering you, that's against the law and you could take them to civil court for that. But when everything they're saying is true and you don't like it, well, then maybe don't do that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, too, like, this, this is one of those things where when you are of an adult age, which I would consider 17 to be of an adult yeah. age, um, you know, if they were to call her, if they were to find out her parents, who her parents were and call them, what are they going to do? What are they going to say to her? That's going to make her change her mind, you know? And I, I had to do the same thing with a guy that was harassing my business where he was an adult. And I was like, who, who am I? I'm not going to call his mom and dad and be like, Hey, your son's being a dickhead to me right. <laughs> on my business page. No, I call, I got in touch with his business because I figured out, I found him on LinkedIn and found out where he worked. I got in touch with his <gasps> business and, and, and told them like, Hey, you're again, you have a, a, someone who's working for you, who is representing you in this poor manner. And it was really easy to find out that he worked for you. Uh, I think you need to take care of this. And last time I checked, he did not work for that company anymore, but I mean, Ooh, sucks to suck. Yeah. It's, you know, and that's one of those things where maybe if he had gotten the same experience that she just got at a younger age, he wouldn't have had to have lost. But she didn't learn anything either. She didn't learn a damn thing. She didn't learn a damn thing. Have have you been on her page recently and seen, I mean, I forget her name, so I don't even know what, what to look for. Samantha Bacchus or Baca or something like that. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. Um, She's not worth my time. I'm not here to parent other people's kids. Um, eventually, uh, karma will find her anyway. So, you know, it's, it's well, yeah, really. Well, I mean, it already did get in touch with her barn. I would be really curious to hear what her barn, um, if they, how they approached her with it. So. Well, obviously they told her to stop because she the videos was, went down. you know, yeah. Yeah, she was boo-boo hearted in my comments about it. So um, obviously that's a barn that competes, you know, oh, yeah. at, at probably an upper level. So that mm-hmm. was not a good look. Um, even, exactly. if, even if they don't disagree with the point of view, it's still not a good look. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's kind of 
my point at the end of the day, right? Like have whatever fucking stupid ass opinions you want. I don't give a shit. Um, but if, if they're really that dumb, you might want to keep them to yourself. Yeah. You might want to. Just and that goes, and, and that goes great. I think into this other trend that, you know, you mentioned comes up every once in a while, um, is this hot takes where your hot take isn't really a hot take. It is, you know, things you like and things you don't like. And let's be honest, nobody gives a shit what you like in terms of the style of tack or the color that you use or the pattern of your blanket or whatever. Um, I, I, I'm, I, okay. What, where do you think it all comes from or where do you think it starts? Because I did not experience any of that when I was younger in the horse community with people being like, you use a pink camo tax set. And I think that's stupid. And that's my equestrian hot take. Um, like I, I, I am personally confused as to where this all comes from. Uh, it's like I said, it stems from elitism and classism and people that are elitist or classist do not want to share their space or what they feel is theirs with people that they also feel are beneath them. Mm -hmm. Period. They don't want to. Um, it's, it's their way of financially segregating themselves from people that they feel are lower than they are. Um, and it's, it's, you know what Tegan said to me yesterday, that the girl that sits in front of her, um, this is a really proud moment for me. She said that the girl that sits in front of her is not her friend because she's always bragging about her stuff in a bad way. Mm. And I was like, you get it. You understand. I have mm -hmm. instilled the, the morals that, that I have into you because you hear this rhetoric from this other child. And even at this age, you recognize that that is not where your priorities are supposed to be. Right. Um, and so I was very proud of that. <coughs> but yeah, good for her. Yeah, it just, and it comes from, you, have you heard that audio that's going around on TikTok? It's like, uh, I want everybody to remember this this day or this moment that this was the time you got beat by fucking Adam Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that. It's, it's people in the competitive environment do not want to get beat by people with, you know, kill pen horses or, you know, yeah. Mustang or someone with a secondhand saddle. Because mm -hmm. by God, they think that money should equal skill and success. Mm -hmm. They they firmly believe that. Um, I mean, what was that German girl's name in the Olympics? I mean, it's it's that, that same. Yeah, that potential thing. Well, it's interesting too that you bring that up because um, you know, uh, at the the therapy ranch that I go to, um, one gentleman um, he has a very he has a history with horses and he's worked in very upper level dressage and everything like that. And he actually told the founder of the ranch, um, that he basically, um, would never ride her horses because they weren't upper, like they're not that elite class of horses. Wow. Yeah. Which I thought for one is very bold to do in that sense, because you're here to seek therapy from those horses. So like, they're, 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 they're good enough for, for therapy, but they're not good enough for anything else. Um, but again, I've never, maybe, maybe my equestrian experience has been very sheltered. I'm sure a lot of it being because I'm a white female and so I don't have to experience, you know, quite the, what sort of look for it. I don't have to experience the, um, just the overall stupidity of the idea of, of classism in, uh, in the equestrian world. But like all of this just blows my mind in the aspect of, um, like wh why, why the fuck does it matter? <laughs> you know? Well, it I mean, think about it, think about it this way. I mean, horses have always been a tool, whether it was mm -hmm. building our railroads, whether it was fighting our wars, um, They've always been a, a tool, you know, we've co-evolved with them for quite some time now. Um, they were one of the first domesticates. <clears throat> Look at the U.S. government and the U.S. military's response to 
indigenous people's mm-hmm. success with horses? What it, what was the immediate right. response? Take right. them all away. And that's why I am not a proponent of the BLM because it is deeply rooted in anti-indigenous um, narratives and rhetoric. Uh, and uh, I guess that's a conversation for another day, but. I, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that um, when we when we do the Mustangs um, but, in our next conversation, but. But it was like, as soon as, as soon as these, you know, dirty, poor Indians started doing well with horses, oh, we've got to take them away. Mm-hmm. And they did that. They, they took them away, um, slaughtered most of them, and they still do now. Um, but it's that same concept. But in the competitive environment, right, in the show ring, it's different than in a, in a, a government setting. So what does the show ring do? They raise the prices on everything. They raise the standard on the dress code. They raise this, right. they raise that to the point where financially they know unless you come from a rich elitist family, you cannot afford it. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And just look at how seethingly upset these people get when somebody does enter the show ring on a horse that wasn't expensive. Which I, I think mean, is so interesting because, um, you know, everyone knows, m- most people know the story of what's his name, Snowman, who was the horse that was yeah. bought for like $80 and became a, a world champion jumper. Like you would think that people would just, okay, I would think <laughs> that people would just celebrate, like, we, I mean, we do it with, with people in general, you know, we celebrate these underdogs and we think they're so cool and they're so neat. And everyone talks about how awesome snowman was, but then they turn right around and they see these kill, like you said, these kill pen horses or these Mustangs that come in and, and suddenly it's a different rhetoric. Um, well, again, it, and I know that it's hard to accept or it's hard to conceptualize from your perspective because you don't share the same opinion, yes. but it comes back down to it's a, it's a standing of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Elitist wealthy people feel entitled to that space and they feel entitled to winning. And so when they spent a hundred thousand dollars on a horse or whatever, they feel entitled to winning because they spent the money. Right. They truly feel that wealth um, should garner them skill and success. Period. Period. That's why the Olympics are such a joke. If you talk to any Olympian, like any true Olympian, um, they will tell you it's not skill that gets you to the lamp, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It's money. Yeah, it's money. Um, and it's sad, but you know, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, and you know, it, it's like you said earlier that horses were kind of a status symbol or, um, or what have you. And that's so true. If you think about it from a functional standpoint, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's two types of horse owners. There's people who have horses because they have to plow their fields because it's part of their work Mm -hmm. and they need it. You know, think about your, your wranglers, your, um, your day workers, your ranchers, um, they have to have horses because they need them to function. And those people are looked at as what? Poor. Right. And then there's people who have horses recreationally. Mm-hmm. And those people are always seen as having more financially when the cost of ownership is the same regardless. Right. Um, <coughs> and the cost of horse ownership just varies dramatically based on your region um, and based on the horse more specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, a horse, a horse that doesn't have any special needs or injuries is obviously going to cost less than a horse who does. Right. Um, you know, we looked up the cost of horse ownership before we started this episode and we couldn't get a distinct number on the average, but I think we landed on essentially it was like $9,000 a year total or $3,000 a year per horse. But that really depends on the region. Right. Um, 
you know, if, if I just go down the line, I'm not going to include the cost of the horse, right? Because what's like the most famous horse egg in the world, the cheapest part of owning a horse is buying the horse and everything else just gets more expensive. Right. Um, you know, my horses right now are getting a, first of all, we can't even get the hay we normally get because we're sending it all to Texas apparently. Cause you guys have had a drought. Yeah. Um, but alfalfa is anywhere from $15 to 1650 a bale, depending on what time of the year it is. And grass is anywhere from 1650 to 1850 per bale, depending on what time of year it is. My donkeys can yeah. only eat grass and uh, my two geldings should really only have grass because they're fat. <clears throat> so I go through probably 400 to $450 of hay per month for four horses. Uh, one of which is, you know, Sage is just, she's not even a yearling. So she eats significantly less. Right. Um, <clears throat> and Cricket is a smaller horse. So she eats significantly less. She probably eats about as much as a pony or a donkey. Um, then you've got annual vaccines. So a seven way, I do the seven way vaccines. So they're like $115 each per, per equine every year with overnight shipping. So then you've got trimmings. I, I see a barefoot trimmer. Um, that's $50 per equine every six weeks uh, on top of tipping. Um, annual vet checkups, you know, we'll call it $100 per animal every six months to a year. And then supplements, which I don't even really want to get into, but that's like, right. So they, they go through, uh, probably $200 worth of supplements every four weeks. So I don't know what that comes out to, but that's the rough cost, you know, and we're not even thinking about stuff like the trailer, my horse trailer, right? tires for the trailer, insurance on the trailer, um, housing for the horses. So if you're not, if you're not boarding, um, getting pens set up could be pretty costly yeah. equipment, like flags and halters and saddles. You know, each of my saddles was $1,200, um, saddle pads, another $250 each. Um, so it's, it's expected, but it doesn't have to be right. So all of those things, you know, I, two of my saddles are new, but my Steuben, which is normally a $5,000 saddle, I got secondhand for a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, so there are ways to mitigate that cost. So just saying that, oh, well, you have horses, therefore you must be able to afford a $300 show jacket is absurd. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, even if I could, I wouldn't want to. Exactly. I just wouldn't want to. Um I see that $300 and I think, well, I would rather get um, those special rubber mats for inside the trailer for when I haul them, it's more comfortable on their feet. You know, mm -hmm. I think of putting my money in those kinds of places. I would rather get them fly boots so that they're not, you know, Roni's not kicking up and hurting his stifles trying to get up flies. Right. Um, those are the kinds of things I think about. Um I, I could never imagine spending, you know, I think my most expensive horse was Sully. No, that's not true. My most expensive horse was Sage. Uh, and she was $800. Um, and that was, that was too much. I, yeah. I, I've overpaid. I overpaid for her. Um, you know, Cricket was 300 bucks. Roni was 400. Sully was... I think I bought Sully for 300 and shipping him was another 300 or no, I bought him for six and I think I got him shipped for three. So hmm. maybe I bought him for five. Either way, I could never imagine spending more than like, we'll just call it a thousand dollars on a horse. I just couldn't, I could go to the BLM and get uh, a horse fresh off the range for 125 bucks. Yeah. So, and I'm not, I'm, and I don't look down on other people that do, but it just seems to me like 
there's a strong correlation between the people who paid $20,000 for a horse and will shove that down your throat the first chance mm. they get. Right. Um, and th those are also the types of people who cannot stand, cannot stand to see you doing well or even better than they are. They just fucking hate it. I mean, right. how many times have you how how many times have you heard the the you know people are like at a barrel race if they're at a jackpot and somebody rolls up in the the two horse bumper pool from 1980 and they're like oh fuck we're all gonna lose yeah um, well then just do better do better what does that tell you it tells you mm -hmm. that no matter how much money you have it's not going to make you more talented. It's not going to, you know, having more money doesn't make you work harder. It doesn't make your relationship with your horse any better. So. Yeah, I mean, like I just, the, there's another saying that I hear a lot, in, especially in the barrel racing world, is that, um, was it hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, like, I, I was the same way as you were. I was like, I don't think I could ever spend so much money on a horse until until I was looking for something very specific for our let. Mando is our most expensive horse. I paid 2000 for him. And that was cheap compared to what I was finding locally. We had to drive out to Mississippi to go get him. <clears throat> well, right now um, the horse market is crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I have somebody local to me that um, she sells horses and does consignment and everything. That's her business. And, uh, when I first reached out to her looking for a horse, the first horse she quoted me was five grand. I'm like, we're, we're not that serious yet. <laughs> um, you know, I was like two, two grand's like my, my ceiling right now. If, if we were at a point where she was going off into like the youth, you know, world champions and stuff like that, then sure. I'd look into something more expensive, but I was like, there's no way in, in hell I'm spending $5,000 on a barrel horse for a seven-year-old. Um, well, it also comes back to, um, you know, a lot of times people are just paying for the papers. You're paying yes. for the name. I yeah. want a dash, dash for cat, dash to fame or whatever the fuck stupid horse, Alina, chick something or other, Pepto Boone's Mall. Who gives a fuck? I don't fucking, I could not give a rat's ass less. I fucking could not. Um, especially if you know diddly squat about genetics, you would not want one of those horses. Mm -hmm. And every, you know, if you want a horse with arthritis by the time it's six, if you want a horse that's extremely high maintenance, that's going to need constant fucking vet care, that's on you, man. Whatever, dude. Um, people are like, well, I know what I'm getting. Okay, it's the same argument in the in the dog world. I pay for a purebred dog because I know what kind of dog I'm getting. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't buy that at all. It's a cop out, um, and I don't I don't shit on anybody that wants papered horses. That's fine, good for you. Um, I just personally know what those genetics come with, especially if I see them bred back to the same family line. Mm -hmm. uh, on the top or bottom yeah it's like you know what would happen to a human being if we did that there's a reason that that's illegal that's yeah. it's incestual it's incestual and there's no no it's not yeah no it is though you, it is a hundred percent it is there's no other way to see it um genetic diversity is what keeps horses healthy it's what keeps everything healthy is genetic right. diversity and that's why Populations of animals that do not have genetic diversity, like on islands, mm -hmm. like we see this in cheetahs, there's no <laughs> genetic diversity. Any little thing, any little thing will wipe them out. Mm -hmm. And they just have constant health problems. Um, that's, you know, I will, I will probably never get a domestic red horse for that reason alone. Um, but also you get a different mind domestic bred horses are different than feral horses mm -hmm. period end of story um i've worked with enough of them to know i i just i i prefer it this way um it makes i feel that it's made me a better horseman um 
and my horses are capable of actually thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's more valuable. Um, I can understand why some people wouldn't want that because um, they're also not going to take your shit. Right. Uh, but, but just admit that you're paying for the papers. Right. Just admit it. Yeah. Um, cause I can, you know what? Um, let's take Pepto Boonsmall, for example, or, um, what's freaking Fallon Taylor's horse? Baby Flow. Baby Flow or Dash to Fame. Any three of those horses. And I will go out to BLM Holdings and pull you a dozen fucking horses that look exactly like them, have the exact same confirmation, and they cost 125 mm-hmm. bucks. Yeah. Period. In fact, a lot of people don't know that the U.S. government for many decades, and they still do this, um, went out and purchased high-dollar studs from multiple different horse breeding facilities and ranches across the country um they called which is the politically correct way of saying it the band stallions in certain areas they killed them and they released uh these high dollar high quality studs into those areas to breed those mares we see this especially in warm springs uh stinking water and um devil's garden Hmm. Um, and they did that to make those horses more confirmationally desirable to um, the public to buy them gotcha it fucking worked Mm -hmm. but um, in fact so my friend Stephanie who we talked about earlier she has a horse that looks so much like a quarter horse and her mane falls on the opposite side. So her mane covers her BLM brand. Um, and it was her first, uh, it was her first uh, extreme Mustang makeover horse, I believe. I think her name is Shadow. That horse looks so much like a quarter horse. She entered her in an open halter class and took first place. And oh, people, wow. oh yeah, people were giving her so many compliments. They were asking her all about her horse. Uh, asking her, you know, what quarter horse lines she came out of, because it was a quarter, an open quarter horse class. Um, and then she lifted up her mane and showed that she was a BLM horse, and all oh, people talk so much shit. Oh, I believe it. Like, five <laughs> seconds ago, five seconds ago, you thought it was a quarter horse. Yeah. And it was congratulations. But now that it's not, see what I mean? Like, see how the, the temperament and the attitude just turns mm-hmm. on a dime when money is involved. Because that's, there's no other way to see it. You can't convince me otherwise. Right. Which I think is interesting when you get into the Western world, you know, in it's like you look, you just, just from, if you were an outside person looking in on, um, on the two, two main styles of writing, English and Western, you would look at English and be like, okay, that is for rich people. And you would look at Western and be like, okay, that is not for rich people. (laughs) And, but, you know, like you were saying earlier, there's starting to be this, this weird seeping over of this, you know, you got to have the money if you want to participate from the English crowd and starting to seep over into the Western crowd. I really saw it when, um, when I got back into horses after I got out of the Marine Corps and my husband and I moved to Connecticut which is a very high dollar horse area. <laughs> like a big, big English money. community. Yes, very, very big. Um, but I was able, I got found a Western barn to ride at because I wanted to do Western. And I found a barn and I started riding there and they did Western pleasure. And I was like, oh, that would be fun. I really want to get in, in competition and everything like that. I had never really, I did not have a, super intimate, um, idea of what went into Western pleasure. I just looked at it as more of a, you know, you're going out there, you and your horse are competing to the best of your ability and you're being scored off of that. And then when I got my horse, oh, I know (laughs) I had been out of the way, I had been out of the equine community in general for a long time. And this is my first time getting into the Western community because I started out as an English writer when I was a kid, because that was all that was in the area. Um, but but when I went to my 
trainer at that barn and said, okay, I want to start competing with my lease horse. What do I need to get ready to do that with your barn? She, the first thing she told me was before you buy anything, I have to approve it first because judges only like for you to ride in certain brands of saddles and show gear and everything else. And so if you want to win, you have to ride or use this specific equipment for a judge to even look at you. And I was like, okay, not a big fan of that, but we'll go with it. And the first thing I wanted to get into doing was halter because it's precision and, and it's very like militant in it. Well, you do that now, right? With chat. I do in hand ranch with him now. Cause oh, I feel, okay, cause it's okay. way, it's much more horsemanship and everything. And, um, I look at chap and I'm like, to me, he's very confirmationally pretty, but I'm sure somebody else would pick something out with him for whatever. But, um, but I wanted to get into the halter just to start out in there because I knew that, you know, for that, I only need to have my personal attire and a show halter, which is going to be a little nicer on my pocketbook than having to go out and find a, you know, the specific saddle pad and blah, 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 that, you know, my trainer wanted me to get. And when I went to her and started asking her about the show attire that I needed, and I looked at the prices of that show attire, I was like, oh, hell no. Am I spending $5,000 on a show shirt? That's all bedazzled and everything. I'm sorry, what did you say? $5,000 what because because it's really hard they don't make it's not like you can go it's not like you can go to like you know a dover and go to the rack and pick something out everything is either custom made or it is um like basically one of a kind so that Maureen, you are not wearing the same outfit as somebody else in your room i know that's a down payment on a house what i know the fuck? it's all of the bedazzling that goes onto your shirt because you have to stand out from somebody else and They're the two of you can't, real. I know, it, but the two of you can't wear the same thing. If you're wearing the same thing as somebody else, like you're not going to stand out and win the big money. So They're fake. They're not real. What, They're fake. What really got to me was when I turned to her and I was like, well, what do the guys wear? Oh, <laughs> a button down in jeans. I'm like, wait a minute. Why do I have to spend so much money to show? And this guy can go to tractor supply and grab whatever happens to be on the rack at tractor supply and then head to the show. But I have to like call a seam. Yeah. I have to call a seamstress, talk about the color of my horse and how much jewels and bedazzling I want on my shirt and have it, you know, like I was like, I, for one, I didn't like the, the money aspect of everything. And for two, I didn't like the, um, the fact that I, 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 as a female was required to wear something more expensive than the men. All of a sudden I identify as a man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but yeah, so like, it's so it, I, it's, so then when I got, I, I left that barn and I was like, I am not, I'm not fit for this world. I was like, I'm going to stick to you know, at that time, I, I really wanted to get into barrel racing. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. But I was like, I want to stick to the barrel racing and like the rodeo stuff. Like that's the Western community that I want to be a part of. Not, not this English community that is pretending to be Western. <laughs> but, you know, just once, just once I want to enter a barrel race and just completely tactless. Just to piss everybody off. Just once before I die, I'm going to do that. Um, so I, in, it's always been a thing in the English community, like I said, because of its its roots in Roman and and right and Britain. It's I believe it's seeping more into the Western community because of the cutting and reining industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, I was going to say, like I feel like it started with the pleasure, but now I'm starting to see it seep into the cutting and reining, and I'm starting now to see it in. The barrel racing oh big time in barrel racing yeah. but um and it sucks because you know i know a lot of really kind good-hearted barrel racers you know holly deidre um i can't think of women with better morals and and the way they carry themselves 
-hmm. And it just sucks that they all get lumped into the same category with these other women that are like, you know, the Fallon Taylors of the world. So um, I think, and and you just kind of have to look at the environment and the culture of those sports individually. I, I personally am not a fan of timed events. I think it's harmful to the horse, harmful to the horsemanship and this community as a whole. Um, but because we, you don't see that in roping at mm-hmm. all, it's not there. Um, ropers don't even talk about it. Like it's just, you just don't even talk about it. Um, yeah. or look at some of the rough stock, you know, you, you're not going to ever hear a, uh, saddle bronc rider talking shit to a bareback rider because his jeans aren't bedazzled that doesn't exist right. um so it's it's definitely in both communities it's not as deeply seated in the western community um but i think the ultimate issue and the takeaway for people right if you see some of these tendencies in your own life um in the way you interact within this community if you enjoy horses for whatever reason, you have them for pleasure, you have them for work. If you enjoy horses, you have absolutely got to eradicate that way of thinking and start challenging other people when you see it, because it is killing our community and it is mm-hmm. killing our way of life. We talked about this in a previous episode. We are already starting to vanish. Yeah. Owning horses, owning horses is becoming dramatically less accessible because of suburban living, because of the lack of equine professionals um, and because of things like this, because mm-hmm. of it becoming financially inaccessible to people. Um, and whether those people want to accept it or realize it or not, at some point it will reach them, right? Like if this, co- if it continues to spread and the equestrian community continues to dwindle away and become less accessible to people, it will eventually reach a point where those people don't have access to farriers or mm-hmm. equine veterinarians or right. sports medicine people. And, and it won't matter how much money you have because the services you need simply won't be available. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of my point to people, you know, feel however you want about how much money you spent on this or that. Um, but keep that in check and, and maybe just do some self-reflection as to where that comes from because uh, it's, probably, it's probably worth your time to look into it as to why you, why you feel that way. Like if I, if I offered you a $20,000 Greenbroke Ranch Horse, all around Ranch Horse, or an absolutely dead broke, bomb proof, all the bells and whistles and buttons, uh, non papered horse off the reservation. Mm-hmm. And you would pick this one because it has papers, or because you know what you're getting. You really need to do some self reflection. Yeah. Because any equestrian with the right frame of mind is going to look at that and go, but this horse is finished. This horse is finished. Mm -hmm. And if that's not how you see it, if your first thought is, but this horse has papers. I don't know what to tell you. We're, we're, we're not built the same. Yeah. Well, and going back to, to the idea of papers too, you know, we, we, we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier about genetics and everything. Like if you, if your argument for the papered horse is, you know, I know what I'm getting the genetics, blah, 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 but you don't because of the fact that I, I would bet money that the people that bred those horses all through that line have no idea about genetics. They, oh, exactly, yeah. 
they, you know, they, they go and they get the color testing and they might get a, and they might get their stud or their mayor checked for certain diseases or whatever like that, but they aren't, they don't do the science. They don't understand the minute intricacies of genetics and they don't go out and search for whatever it is specifically that they're looking to improve or to uh, breed out of that line. So, I mean, they, they are just doing, it is literally just what big names can I get on these papers? Absolutely. And that's a hundred percent true because if, if the opposite were true, right. If they were breeding for health, if they were breeding for uh, skill, I have to see. (laughs) 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 Oh God. Um, They would never breed back, right? Line breeding wouldn't exist. Yeah. If you had a fundamental understanding of uh, genetics and heritability, Mm -hmm. um, because what would happen is you would get them all tested first, have them fully genotyped and looked at, looked at by a geneticist mm-hmm. to ensure, you know, that that horse isn't passing on any potentially damaging genes. Um, but ir- irregardless, when you breed animals back into their family lineage, you are reducing genetic diversity and you are inviting problems no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think uh, French bulldogs and English bulldogs are a great example of that. And halter bred quarter horses. Oh, you yeah. know, and you know what I, what really kills me is that obviously these people are not breeding for soundness. That should be the number one thing you're breeding for, soundness. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we see this especially in, in the halter horses because look at the size of their fucking feet. Yeah. They got feet this big, bodies this big. The, the, what keeps your horse sound throughout its life is its feet. And a horse who has large, sturdy feet stays sound longer. That's why you see these Amish workhorses that have just been run into the ground, rode hard and put away wet, never taken care of, never yeah. given quality hay, that are still rideable when they go to auction. Yeah. They're still pretty fucking sound. Because their feet are this goddamn big. Um, and that's something and I mean, I, not even, if, if, even if we want to take it down to a smaller horse that is just built smaller compared to a draft, you know, we look, you look back at Mustangs and the fact that their feet, I mean, Chap has, huge. my, my theory has even said that Chap's feet are the best feet that she trims across the board. And she has a, yeah. a very good, you know, client list. And he, and it's just cause he's got the genetics that have allowed yeah. for him to develop that nice, big, strong hoof. Well, the reality is his, his family line, his predecessors wouldn't have been able to pass on their genes if they had shitty feet, they would have died. Exactly. Yeah. Period. Um, you know, every time our farrier comes, you know, they always comment on how hard each of my horse's feet are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, sullies are the worst. Sullies are fucking hard. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had Roni looked at, I was having a bit of a, uh, we'll call it a panic attack about, he was getting some quarter cracks. Um, and I'm huge on hoof health. And it turns out he didn't have anything wrong with his feet. They just had been trimmed improperly mm-hmm. by our old farrier. And when these new ones came out, they were like, wow, this horse has incredible feet. Perfect. Um, well, that's, you know, that's how natural selection works. Natural yeah. selection uh, will always be superior to artificial selection. Um And I, I don't know, um, but it's, it's, again, it goes back to people want to pay for that name, right? Like, oh, I've got some fat, fancy Pepto Boone small horse. I could not give a shit less. I yeah. fucking could not give a shit less. Like, and, and it is that also, it is that mentality that lands so many horses in the kill pen. Mm-hmm. Cause people oh, are I just breeding these you. horses. Yeah. I can't tell you, I follow a few kill pens on Facebook and I can't tell you how many of them come across 
my, my Facebook feed. Papers in hand. Yeah. Papers. Yes. Yep. Um, I would say probably that's, 80% of them are papered. Yeah. And that's just irresponsible breeding as well. You know, um, something I think about a lot because, you know, I want to breed Archer one day. He has perfect confirmation. He has the perfect temperament. Um, and I will, I, I just don't want to make the same mistake I made with Diesel in, you know, when he passes away, not having a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think about that and I can understand where some people say, you know, I know what I'm getting, but are you getting it responsibly still? Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but all right. So I would never breed him though until I had a full wait list of people at least more than double the expected litter size so that I know for sure every last one of those puppies has a guaranteed home. You don't breed and then find homes. Yeah. But that's what a lot of these breeding ranches do. And if at, you know, yearling age, they don't sell, well, you'll sell it to kill them. Yeah. Um, and that's just so horrendously irresponsible that again, that's money. It's just for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sad to me. You miss out on the medicine of horses when you start involving and prioritizing money like that. Um, I, I'm just not willing to argue with people about it. I don't have the constitution for that anymore. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts? You know, I would just say, going back to how we started with talking about, you know, how you represent yourself on TikTok and social media, um, you know, looking at, looking at the, the breakdown of <clears throat> the people who follow us and everything, which by the way, I don't know if you know, but we have more than uh, 60 subscribers now. Yeah, oh, I didn't know because you don't sh- you don't share the statistics. With me. <laughs> um, so, but our our demographic is more um, around our age uh, of our listeners and subscribers. Um, but I mean, I think it's really important to take a step back, like you said earlier, and do some um, introspection of what what are your thoughts really in terms of the money that goes into your horsemanship and your, and your horses. Are you, are you doing things for the status of it or are you doing things for the relationship you have with your horses? Yeah. Are, are you um, taking that $500 to go buy yourself a new set of breeches just because you want a new set of breeches? Are you using those $500 to get mats for your trailer so that your horse is more comfortable while traveling? Yeah. Um, You'll hear some of the wealthiest people in the world tell you, number one, don't save your money. It's stupid. And number two, pay for experiences, not things. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at uh, my equine related finances. I, and this is what I encourage other people to do as well. You know, obviously keep a savings where in case your horse gets run through a fence and you need an emergency vet bill. Right. That you should always have. But if you're going to spend your money like that, spend it on either improving your relationship, improving your skills, or improving your horse's quality of life so that you increase its longevity. Mm-hmm. You know, mats in the trailer, um, <clears throat> supplements to prevent you know, actual quality supplements to prevent joint damage, uh, uh, physiotherapy treatments, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Put, put money where it's going to matter in keeping that horse around with you for many years. Yeah. Um, you know, the breeches will get stained. The breeches will get ripped. Uh, all of those material things will eventually get worn and you know the other thing is it contributes to fast fashion and capitalist economy 
And mm-hmm. I just, that's just something that I agree with because of its impact on the environment. Um, so just give that some thought before you um, prioritize or put your finances in priority for your horses. Um, and just think about the difference it could make. You know, think about, well, would I rather have a $300 pair of boots or would I rather take my horse to a $300 clinic? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because one is going to make you a better equestrian and the other one you're going to have to replace in a year. Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem financially wise. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to organize a trail ride <clears throat> come, come fall here, out here, where everyone has to wear their pajamas on the trail ride. <laughs> <laughs>